0: fashion with the stress now we are gonna need some intercession feel the pain arise how could i
1: Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. So every now and then I get to fanboy over somebody that I have mad respect for. And uh, that is the case in this podcast episode. I have on the show um, an artist known as No Big Deal. um, And he has quickly become one of my favorite uh, artists. He's a household name in our house. All my kids uh, love his music and they they actually turned me on to his, his music and I can't stop listening to it. So, uh, I was so stoked when I reached out to him and he said he would be willing to be on the podcast. So we had a wonderful time talking about his journey in music and in, in the faith. We talked a lot about uh, producing music, the kind of inspiration that goes into it. And then we do listen to several of his songs, my top favorite songs uh, from him. And we talked through some of the lyrics and the story behind it. So I do want to give a shout out to a festival that he's putting on, uh, Smokefest 23, August 18th uh, through 19th in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, as I say, at the end of the podcast. I'm going to try to make it out there, but uh, we'll see if I can... I can make it, but I'm uh, really looking forward to that festival, I think it's going to be awesome, and if you're in the national area, or even not in the national area, I would encourage you to check it out. So, please welcome to the show for the first time, the one and only, no big deal. I don't need some
0: kind of words, I have heard, everyone I know, and birds really kind of to go, cause I don't know what's next, when I die, will I fly, will I love it, will I, it? Will I pay the price? All
1: right, I am here um, with Dill, I, I got permission to call him Dill, so just in case people are <laughs> Dude, thanks so much for coming on Theology and Raw. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Uh, I, I tried to get some of my family members down here to say hi to you, and they're too embarrassed. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I'm excited. Thanks for um, having me. I mean, you're, you're an accomplished uh, Christian rapper. Is that the right phrase? By the way, I I might use some phrases that are kind of like Gen X, white boy, like stupid things, whatever. So please feel free to correct me if I say something or, you know. Um, <laughs> if you are a Christian no who's an accomplished musician who is a yeah. rapper, is that how... I should describe you.
0: Yeah, I, 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 you know, any of it works for me. I don't have any problems with somebody calling me a Christian rapper, um, a Christian who is a rapper, a rapper. It's all correct to me. You okay. know what I mean. So I think people have different entry points with my music, and that kind of decides what term they they choose to okay. use. But I don't have, I don't take any offense to any okay. of
1: it. I've seen people kind of frown upon the phrase Christian rapper. And I, I, if it were me, that probably would not be my, like, am I a Christian writer? I guess, I guess that's Christian books, but I, I I also like the, I don't know that sometimes it can have a certain genre, create, almost create a certain genre that I'm not trying to create myself. Like I'm a Christian who hopefully is a writer as, as a, as a a piece of art, as a work of ministry. And I happen to write on Christian topics. So I guess I'm a Christian writer, but Mm -hmm. does it have a stigma in in the industry to say Christian rapper? Yeah.
0: I definitely know um, a lot of people feel that kind of tension of like, well, if I label myself where people label me as a Christian rapper, then there is all this baggage that comes with it. You know, there's a big, you know, uh, it could be corny or, you know, even it's it's uh, it's judgmental. It's a money grab. It's you know, there's there's a lot of baggage that could um, come with it. Uh, I'm just not that worried about it um, because for me, it's just like the music first and the art first. So I'm not, I don't care what people call me. Like they can call me any of it. They can think whatever about, you know, the boxes, but as long as they listen to the song, you know, I'm just focused on getting them the music. I don't feel, and I also think that it's better now than it has been because there's so much quality art and music coming out of the christian hip hop space that it doesn't necessarily have the same baggage that it did, you know, yeah. 20 years ago or something like that.
1: So so from a distance, when i hear like other genres of christian music, it does feel like ah, this is going to this well, i'm sure we'll say several things <laughs> might be offensive, but it's almost like well, you couldn't quite make it cuz your music isn't that good but yeah. you made it in the christian, you know, but mm-hmm. but with in my experience with Christian rap, you guys, and maybe it goes back to Lecrae, I don't know, but like you guys are, are respected as rappers, as rappers. Um, and mm-hmm. you happen to also be Christian, happen to have Christian lyrics, but it seems that the quality of the music is and I don't think this is that disputed, is is like on par with like for lack of better terms, mainstream stuff. Whereas other Christian genres, I don't know. I don't I don't know if people would say the same thing. Is that an accurate observation?
0: Or yeah. <laughs> I think so. And I, I think there's a lot that actually goes into that. Um, I think that Christian hip hop, we don't have the the industry and the infrastructure that um, CCM has um, Christian rock worship. So what I mean is we don't have radio. We don't have um, things like we don't really have things like Winter Jam or, you know, Creation Fest, stuff like that. Um, just now we're like some of us can get booked for that type of stuff. Um, But we don't have this long history of industry infrastructure behind us. So for us to have any fan base at all or to break through the noise of all of the media and Internet that's out right now, um, our stuff really has to be excellent or nobody's going to listen to it. You know what I mean? So whereas I think a lot of the other Christian genres, um, you know, especially like Christian rock and, and, and some of the heavier stuff, Originally, they were the same way, like nobody, you know, the trailblazers of pretty much all of the Christian genres, uh, like contemporary genres, um, they had to be excellent and they they were being innovative and they were getting people's attention um, that way. But now, because there is kind of um, these circuits and these radio stations mm. and like, OK, if you just do this formula, then you're going to have a certain fan base. I think people are catering more towards the formula than they are just trying to make the best Mm. art that they can. And that's not the case for Christian hip hop because we don't have that luxury, if that makes sense.
1: Why is that? I mean, you kind of touched on, I guess, but what, why, why the difference just the fan base isn't as big. Is that the, or Uh, that's a, that is a
0: really good question. Um, I think there has been historically a resistance to um, Christian hip hop uh, in the church. In a lot of the church. So like, I think there's been a, a resistance from the black church. Um, and I think that that resistance is very, uh, legitimate. I have a lot of empathy for that. Um, because the communities that a lot of black churches are embedded in the, have seen a lot of adverse effects in the community from stuff that's talked about within rap music. So. Even the sound of it itself, uh, I, I think my experience is, you know, Black church has been slower to accept um, Christian hip hop because it's like, man, let's just go a completely different way from that mm-hmm. culture altogether. And I think that's very, like that. That one, I'm like, I, I kind of get that. And then I think there's been resistance from the white church, um, especially conservative white churches, um, just kind of along the same kind of along just like racial lines and Mm -hmm. and political lines, Mm -hmm. like Christian nationalism lines, like Mm -hmm. just kind of the way that it's just slow to accept anything from Mm -hmm. the black community, Mm -hmm. even black preaching, everything, you know, everything kind of. And so I think, uh, I think that we saw kind of a reversal of that a little bit with Lecrae and 116 when they were, embraced by you know John Piper and and MacArthur and kind of uh you know in the I guess that was like the early 2010s late late aughts and um there was kind of like a acceptance and that you know that that was a huge boom and then when like Lecrae kind of distanced himself from conservative evangelical culture then that same kind of resistance um returned and I think in the wake of kind of conservative evangelical Christianity distancing themselves from Christian hip hop, that, that right there was the moment where Christian hip hop did ha- start to have the infrastructure that we were talking about uh, a minute ago and did start kind of having the circuits and stuff. And once once that separation happened and that went away,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, it created this new wave of, okay, We're not playing towards any formula. We're not trying to make sure that we can get on, you know, whatever grace to you or desiring God conference or whatever it may be. We're now, now we lost that. Now we're back to just, this is what we're passionate about. This is the way Mm -hmm. that we experience and talk about life with God. And we wanted Mm -hmm. to help and reach as many people as possible. And there is no circuit for us so we're just going to we're just going to make it amazing you
1: know so yeah in my anecdotal opinion the music got better after that not better as in it was bad before but i i've sensed this unique passion i'm trying to search for the right word like um authenticity maybe like i feel like that the the, mm-hmm. the music kind of posts that uh, departure, or exit, or exile, or whatever you want to call it's it's the And, and again, if I, I I I'm only looking on from afar, so I could be getting things wrong. But there was that famous Fourth of July tweet from Lecrae. Yeah, <laughs> was that right. was that kind of part of the like you know it was a picture of yeah b- bunch of slaves picking cotton and he says here's my ancestors on right. the fourth and I thought it was a brilliant. I retweeted it. Um, yeah, this is yeah. great to think about. Um, and it seemed like people really got upset over that, but that seemed to be kind of like a tipping point of like people in mainstream, I don't want to use the term white evangelicalism, but let's just, let's just stick to, well, it's largely white, but I mean, mainstream evangelicalism, once Lecrae started getting a little too into race, started getting a little too, one might even say a little too black. I think he's even said that. Um, And I've got several other friends that have kind of experienced that. They were part of this kind of reformed evangelicalism and they still kind of retain some of the theology, but they're like, man, there's a culture here that I just, I'm not. I'm not just your boy. I'm not just gonna be used by you when I say all the right things. But the second I start to disrupt things a little too much, then you guys are like, "Where, where are you now?" Is that again? That's I'm just. Right. Is that at all accurate of what kind of what happened? Or yeah, I think I think it definitely
0: is. Po- that Instagram post and that tweet was. I think that it was really just um, like indicative of uh of what had already been going on. Like it, from my perspective, that post was like. Late in the game, as far as the separation um, between yeah between Christian hip hop and whatever term we want to use for that, it was kind of like the final blow, I guess. And it it was just so interesting to me because that post was like to me was not even controversial, you know. To a lot of us within Christian hip hop, like. We were like, yeah, this makes sense. Had no idea that it was going to have the ramifications that it did. But I'm very, very, very glad that it did um, because, again, it created this space where we're not trying to cater to anything that is inauthentic to us. And a lot of that stuff was inauthentic. Mm. Um, But it was just a way for it to be viable as a career. And I am so glad that I'm in this era where – the fan base um, is largely people that are like the artists. Whereas during that era, the fans were nothing like the artist. And that only happens in the niches within Christian art, if you think about it. Like the fans of a mainstream rap artist or a mainstream rock artist or mainstream pop artist they are like the artist yeah we were yeah. experiencing something in the 2010s where the fan base was nothing like Lecra- like Lecrae's fans were not like Lecrae and so there was this dissonance of like anytime he expresses something that is authentic to himself that is outside of um the jargon or the packaging or the theological stances of his fan base, then there was all of this backlash. Whereas now things that would have been considered controversial during that era, our fans are like, we've been waiting for somebody to say this, you know? So I'm very grateful that it happened. I think it was very necessary.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, again, I'm looking on from a distance, but it. it again, there, there's a, there's an authenticity that, again, I, I don't want to say it wasn't there before. I, I don't know enough to say it was or wasn't, but there, let me just say positively. In the last few years, I just feel even with like the crazy church clothes albums and and I mean your stuff too. You narrate a lot of. I mean, there, there's if I can read between the lines, there, there's a lot of personal narrative in, in your in yeah. your music that. we'll, we'll come mm-hmm. to. I want to look at some of your songs, but um, t- take us back. Let's go. Let's your personal journey. Um, yeah. Were you, ra- were you raised in a church? Raised in the faith? And how'd you get into uh wanting to be a musician? Yeah, I um I was. I
0: was raised in a Christian family, and in a lot of ways that made it harder for, for the faith to become my own. Um, I associated being a Christian with being a good kid, you know, obeying your parents, getting good grades, also being a Christian. Those kind of were like the same things to me. We go to church, we're church people, that type of thing. I kind of, you know, I haven't heard this term in a long time, but I kind of was like part of the easy believism thing. Like, I was just, you know, I was a VBS kid, I was Moana kid, um, and so I was just like, oh yeah, you know. And then when it really became my own was towards the end of high school, right before college. Um, a preacher was um, preaching on James two nineteen. Um, you believe there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. And that sermon and kind of all of the implications of it, that demons themselves believe in God, not only that, but when they see Jesus, they know who he is. They know he is the son of man, the son of God. They fall prostrate or cause the, the people that they're embodying to fall prostrate. They they say, have you come to uh, you know destroy us before the time? They beg to be sent into the pigs instead of destroyed like all of these things so they know who god is they know who jesus is um they know they're gonna be destroyed in some passages so you know their their eschatology is good like um and so yeah that really shook me to my core because i'm like well you know james made sure to say and shudder like they also have fear so it's like what is separating me from from the demons then in this, you know, and um, the pastor continued on that. Like the difference is, is the desire to follow Jesus um, as your savior and Lord, like follow him. Like, I want to walk with you. So that was like the, that that was when it was like, okay, like life has to look a lot different if this is true. So that on the faith side, that's kind of.
1: How old were uh, you at that time when you heard that sermon? I was.
0: 17. Oh, okay. So, and uh, like I said, I had been going to church all my life. You yeah. know, I I I got that like a Wana award for like memorizing like 300 <laughs> verses or whatever, the Timothy award, all of that. And I mean, I, I had like a pretty good like head knowledge of the whole thing. And I, I, in a sense, I did believe, like I didn't not think that God was real. It was just that um, an honest, an honest look at my life when I was 17 was like, I don't think I'm really like walking with Jesus. You know, I don't think, I don't think we're on this journey together. You know, as far as music, um, I I was brought up in a musical family as well. My uncle is a Grammy award winning drummer um, and a a session and touring drummer uh, in Nashville. And I grew up, uh, going to his like gigs at, um, primarily jazz clubs. That's what he was really into at the jazz clubs. There would also be spoken word poets. And so I was kind of like engrossed in this culture of like literally rhythm and poetry. You know, my first kind of touch point with it was doing spoken word poetry when I was really young. Um, I started like when I was nine and was doing like, open mic nights and competitions and everything um and that kind of naturally evolved into um uh, rap and hip hop in middle school and my my parents were very supportive of like my interest in the arts and music and um so they would like for my birthdays they would take me and my friends to recording studios and stuff like that and so in middle school we had a little rap group and were like selling CDs and burnt CDs in the hallway <laughs> and stuff like that. And I went to MTSU for music production. I wanted to be a music producer, um, but I got into the classes and pretty soon I found that I was like way behind the ball, like for like those, those students were like so much more well-versed in all that stuff. And I was like, okay, I think I'm just going to go into the music business side and be like an artist manager. And so that's what I focused on. Um, I interned for Derek Minor at Reflection Music Group. Um, I, you know, became a merchandise manager, a road manager, road managed Derek, uh, Tadashi, Tripoli. that allowed me to like be on the tour buses with those guys and with Lecrae on Winter Jam. So that was that was actually my origin story for Christian hip hop was uh working for those guys.
1: Were were you producing music on your own on the side or or were you just focusing on managing?
0: oh uh, yeah, I was
1: so pretty much
0: since I was, you know, 7, I've always made songs whether I could record them or not. Okay. And so yeah, from 7 on I was always making music whether I thought of it as a viable career or not. That that was just something that I was going to be doing. So yeah.
1: And then you uh I read somewhere Was it Derek that gave you, like, was he kind of your inroad into becoming your own, like, independent artist through all that, or?
0: That's right, yeah. Um, So I was, uh, I was his road manager at the time, and I was also making music on the side. And Derek is such, I mean, all those guys that I just mentioned are so, like, generous and, yeah. but Derek, like specifically, he's just like a a really generous guy and he wanted to build up kind of the the students um, at MTSU who kind of took the same path as him. So there was like a group of us who he kind of mentored um, and he just he he used to have a studio on the square um, out here in Murfreesboro. And he just like gave us a, a key to it. And so we could just go and record at any time. And he had like, we, so we were in there all the time, of course. And he like left a bag or something in the studio one day and he came in there and heard what we were recording. Hmm. And he was like, who is this? And I was like, that's me. He was like, this is you? I was like, yeah. And so he, uh, he tweeted out um, a link to that song that we were working on. And that was like uh, the first little buzz that I ever got was was uh, from that. So what song was it? Uh, so it was either a song called Indie or a song called Beauty, but actually I think it was Indie. I think it was Indie. That's probably the the song that like people who you know have been listening to me since 2015. That was probably the first song that they heard. Okay. So, but yeah, the big story with Derek was after that. He asked me, I kept making music, you know, and he, he was like, do you want to be a road manager all your life or do you want to be, a, be an artist? And at the time, I was just, I knew how risky it was to be an artist. And I was just like, well, I mean, in a perfect world, I'd be an artist, but I think I got a good thing going, like on the management side. And and he was like, okay, you're fired. <laughs> 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 so he he was like kicked you out of the yeah, nest. yeah yeah he said I've never seen somebody who has really made it in the music industry while having a safety net so he kind of cut the net
1: was that scary yeah so that must have been exhilarating and also scary at the same time what are those first few years yeah. like as you're trying to make like produce more music
0: Uh, yeah it was it was and, you know, that was, man, that was, like, straight out of college, like, no money. Um It was just grind time. Like, as soon as he said that, it was like, okay, well, I need to really give, like, all I can to this and see if it really is, like, the door that God wants me to walk through. So that first year, I did three mixtapes. Like, <laughs> within, like, nine months, put out three projects And really my initial fan base was built off of that. So it's like, he, I think he like fired me in like, I don't know, like maybe January or February or something like that. And then by Christmas, I had three projects out. Um, And then the following January Rapzilla put out like their, their freshman list. And I was on that and, and I was on Derek's album, um, empire and that's kind of like how i was launched
1: so were you you were uh you weren't with a label early on right you were just independent and then did you end up signing with the label that's right yeah
0: yeah i was uh independent and then um after those three projects and it was let's see those three projects were 2015 and then i took a year to create my first album 20 in 2016 and then 2017 January, I believe, I released my first album, Canopy, and when I released that album, then there was like a, a, it attracted the attention of multiple labels, Mm -hmm. and so there was like a kind of a label bidding war on like signing me, and that was a very crazy time because I, uh, I, I just, I didn't expect that at all, like that was never- um, a goal for me to, like, I wasn't trying to get a record deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really influenced heavily by Chance the Rapper and his whole independent movement mm-hmm. at the time. And this is before Coloring Book. This is before a lot of people even knew him. Um, I was I was a fan really early off of his 10-day mixtape and then Acid Rap. And I was just like, man, um, he was kind of leading this new school of independent rappers. And that's kind of, that's all I was really focused on. However, when the labels did come and there was like this bidding war, um, <laughs> it was like, dang, this is crazy. Like, you know, I'm I'm newly married. Like, maybe this is how this is actually going to support us, you know, full time. Uh, and so, you know, some of the labels were headed up by my friends, you know, like Derek had a label, RMG was, you know, considering signing me and then. Lecrae's label Reach was considering signing me and that also added like honestly like a lot of tension to it because I was like I don't want to like offend one of my friends by signing to the other label I don't want to put stress on their relationship I don't want to put stress on our relationship right and so in the middle of kind of that tension um, capital CMG made an offer And after praying about it and talking to my wife about it and talking to everybody about it, I was like, I think this is the best move because it stays neutral as far as like, you know, my, my relationships with my friends. And it's just kind of a business move. And therefore, we can structure this deal so that it's just business. You know what I mean? Give me this money. I want to do this with it. Let me have creative control. And it's not tied to any relationships. It's not tied to well. I think your your career should do this or whatever. So yeah. So I signed with Capital CMG at late 2017.
1: So what? So what are the? I guess what are the? Because you're, you're you wait independent. You're independent now. You went back to. That's right. Um, so there's a story there. Like what? What's the pros and cons? Maybe of being with a label versus being independent. And why does it seem like it s- seems like more and more people are going independent? Maybe or maybe I'm.
0: Yeah, one thing I say is like I'm not anti-label. It just has to be it has to be a right fit for the artist and for the label. For me personally, I am actually very appreciative of the people at Capital CMG, at least the team that was there while I was signed because um I was, you know, I was unhappy about 8 months in. It just wasn't working out the way that I wanted it to and I asked to get out of the deal. Um, and we had to have a couple meetings about it, but ultimately mm-hmm. they released me without any strings attached. So, um, for example, I signed for 60 masters, which means 60 songs essentially. Okay. Um, and I did one album with them. So I did, I gave them like 12 masters and then they just left, they, they let me out of the deal. So w- typically what you hear with like You know, these nightmare label situations, you know, in pop culture is what would have happened is they would have been like, no, you have to fulfill your contract. So either you stay on the label and finish out your contracted 60 songs, you know, um, or, or you know, 48 songs um, that you haven't given us or like you can be off the label, but we're going to own 48 like your next 48 songs are going to belong to us. And Capital CMG didn't do that. They, uh-huh. yeah. So the very next song that I released was independent. So I do want to send a shout out to them because that's not typically yeah. how it happens. And I think that that's a rare story where a Christian label actually conducted themselves like Christians above. So shout out to them. But as far as, you know, what are the pros and cons? Um, you know, if you if you have like an entrepreneurial mindset and you are kind of, built to be an independent artist, which means you are able to create quality content consistently over a long period of time. It's gotta be all three of those quality consistency over a long period of time. If you can do that and you can say, I'm treating this like any startup, like I'm not planning to be in the black until year five, you know, anything above that is a, is a major success. If you have that mindset and those abilities then you should highly consider remaining independent. If you're an artist and all you want to do is make music and then have a team do all the marketing, do all the positioning, you know, come up with release plans, with rollouts, all that type of stuff, um, those type of artists, I think, you know, you're potentially a good fit for a label. What I tried to do with my deal was kind of a hybrid where, okay, Um, the label has a lot more money that that's the main thing. That's really all you need. Like that's what a label is, is like a bank. That's a healthy way to think of it is it's a bank that gives you a loan with like really, really good terms because they they can only, their loan can only be paid back through the release of your music. So they can't garnish your wages. They can't take it from like your house or anything, yeah. like a bank could. Like if a bank gives you a loan, everything's on the table. Label, if you, if you look at it that way, you're good because it's like, okay, they're giving me this money and the way that I pay them back is through music. Everything else in my life is protected. So if my goal is not to make money off of my music, but it's just, I want my music to be as widespread as possible. And I think that when that happens, my merch, my shows, everything else will blow up so much that I won't miss the ownership of my music. That's a healthy way to approach a label.
1: It's similar to writing. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. Do you go with a traditional publisher? Do you go independent and self-produce your stuff or whatever? It's a hard tension, man. I mean, I, I've only done a, a couple self-produced things and it, it's, it's a lot more work and it's yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think writing's di- I think it's different though. We don't have a Spotify. We don't have I don't know. I feel like mm-hmm. it, there's an overlap, but it is it is different. And I've stuck with a traditional publisher to primarily be I mean, distributions a lot better and the infrastructure. They have the editors, they have the copy editor, they have the cover design, they have they they work with Amazon. I don't even know how to put a book on Amazon, you know. And so I mean, there's so much stuff on the back end. I'm like, I don't want to spend time doing that. I would imagine with music though, you I mean, like you said, you're entrepreneurial you seem to enjoy the full, the whole industry, the process, not just producing Mm -hmm. music and having someone else run with it. But um, I mean, you've done production, you've done, you know, you went to school for the whole production side of things. Right. So.
0: Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, you were saying more and more people you see going independent. So a lot of it is that this kind of connects to what we were talking about earlier, but labels want you to do what has worked before. So they're going to influence you as much as possible to fit into a mold or a format that has already worked. And that's what
1: started to happen. They need to sell, but, right? There's a market, there's a, there's a base, there's a market base they need to sell, which under, it's understandable. It's like, I don't, I don't fault them for that. But at the same time, that could stifle for lack of better terms, prophetic creativity. I mean, I feel like musicians are kind of the prophets of the the day and they're able to see things that are coming and rather than just appeal for the things that have been, right? Uh, But that might be when you're on that kind of cutting edge of seeing things, you might not have the initial fan base, for lack of better terms, at the beginning. It usually comes five, ten years later, right? Right, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's what started to happen to me on the label was like being pushed into a sound and like even messaging that wasn't true to me. So I was like, this is not why I got into it. Like this is, I'm not just, if I was just trying to make money or be pop, like I would do something else. Like I really want the music to be what I, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I think that there are specific things that God wants to accomplish through me like through the the music that I make. And I don't mean that in a prideful way. I just think that God is the, he is the ultimate creator. He is the most creative being that there is. And I think that's a very ignored aspect of God, which is how, how could we ignore that? Like, but he, like, whatever you think creativity is, whoever you think is the most creative or the most creative idea, like God created the concept of creativity. Like, so he is more creative than whatever the most beautiful creation or art, you know what I mean? So I think that him being a creator, there are certain things that he wants to accomplish through creators um, in the world. And I want to tap into whatever he has ordained for me to make and not kind of like sacrifice that for money or Acclaim, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Where do you, and I want to get there's a few songs where what you're saying, I feel like it's there in the lyrics. We'll get to in a second. Where do you, where do you draw your inspiration from? And I guess it's a two pronged question. I mean, your music, I mean, uh, Lecrae, KB, John Keith, I mean, there's yeah. such theological like sophistication and also like a, um, you're drawing on just such a wide range of authentic life experiences. You know, you'll you'll go mm-hmm. politics, culture, your own kind of personal journey. You'll talk about highs, lows, lament, joy, ra- the rawness of even. You talk about you know the the, the lure of money, even in in the industry, yeah. and, and how that can stifle your faith. I mean, I, I might be even. I don't want to put words in it. But yeah. So where where do you draw? You? do you do you read a lot, or do you just go on like life experiences? Or and where do you get? I mean, the theological sophistication is just—I don't. Can I be honest? We're we're forty minutes in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even love rap music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is this is a compliment, but I can't stop listening to your stuff. I I listen out, every day at the gym. I work out to it. I'm looking at lyrics. I'm like in between songs, like studying everything. I didn't grow up. I mean, I you know, I, I like a lot of other genres, but it's not it's not my go to genre at all. But I'm right. Mean, right. So I think it's almost all I listen to anymore primarily because there's such a a beauty and creativity and power to the music. Anyway, where do you draw your 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 inspiration from?
0: <laughs> yeah, um I would definitely say life experience. Um I, you know, my ch- I lived in nine different states before I was nine. Um all over the like pretty much in every region except the Pacific Northwest. My mom liked to she really just wanted to broaden me, my brother, our friends, like kind of view of the world. So she would take us on these like road trips, you know, just really amazing things. Like she took us to even, she took us to like um, uh, Coretta Scott King's funeral, like just like different, you know, she he's an educator at heart. Even she homeschooled my brother for a while and homeschooled me for one year. But most of my schooling was like public school but she just still would do her own like field trips or her own lessons or whatever. Um, And so I think that all that to say, I think that like broadened my mind a lot when I was young, I just didn't have a lot of boxes that a lot of people have. Like my general thought is like, well, why can't we do this? You know? And I think that was given to me by my, by my mom. And so that allows me to approach travel conversations interactions with so much like curiosity I know I present like I read a lot but I, I actually don't read a lot really? I always want to yeah I don't I know I I know it seems like that but I want to read more but I do think that I like I think I soak up stuff at a at a higher level than like an above average level so when I do read I feel like I'm thinking about all the different ways that's all the different implications of one statement, or like with movies. Like I, I know sometimes my wife is like, "You are going on and on and on <laughs> about this one little thing that happened in the movie." But I'm just thinking about like all the connections, all the metaphor, all the. And it's funny. There's this Chance the Rapper line where he says, "There's a lot of metaphors. You just lack vision." And I feel like that is my general thing is like there are so many implications or so many metaphors that you can draw out of one thing a lot of people just don't take the time to do it or or whatever their their minds aren't wired like that so when you listen to one of my verses you know a, a lot of them feel that way a lot of times i'm making references that i don't i'm not even well versed in before i write the verse like i start <laughs> writing the verse and kind of the way that i write is um, music first, so you know we have the production, and then I'm kind of like freestyling and getting flows and rhyme scheme, and then the rhyme kind of starts to. That's the beginning of the structure. I'm following the rhyme. I'll I'll say like in freestyling, I'll say a word or a term that maybe I'm not that well versed in. Maybe it's a it's a quote from a movie or a book or something that I've just heard in conversation. I've heard in media. And then I will look that stuff up and I'll like read about it and watch videos on it. And then I know about it. And then, then I start like making all these different. So yeah, my writing sessions look crazy. Like it'll be like a, a pen and pad here. I'm typing on my phone. I've got like YouTube up, I've got Google up, the songs playing. Like,
1: so the reading might come after you might have a line that comes to you through a life experience and then you want to chase it down and tease it out and okay. That's interesting. This episode is sponsored by Athletic Greens, now called AG1. So AG1 is a comprehensive nutrition blast to the body. It's packed with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced ingredients. It uh, supports your immune system. It also aids in digestion and your overall gut health. And as you probably know, I mean, your gut health is so important for your overall mental and physical well-being. Look, I've tried all kinds of different nutrition drinks, vitamin supplements, green powders, you name it. And I found AG1 to be the absolute best nutritional supplement. I've been taking it for almost a year now and I can truly feel the difference. I usually take like a a serving early in the morning and if I'm feeling particularly run down, maybe I'm stressed out or didn't sleep well, I'll sometimes take another serving in the afternoon and look, I can truly, truly feel the difference. My energy levels are up. I feel a lot more mental clarity. And just in case you think I'm (laughs) getting free supplies of AG1 and I have to say this, I I pay retail price for AG1. I pay the same thing you pay, and I have paid it, and I will continue to take AG1 because it is so incredibly good. So, if you want to take ownership of your health and try AG1 and get a one year free supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs, you can do so with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com forward slash T I T R. That's drinkag1.com forward slash T-I-T-R. All right, dude. I let, let's get to some music here. So um uh this first one so I'm just gonna go in order of my I just had to pick my top four favorite songs of yours. Um, hands down and my son's gonna crack up when he listens to this uh, but we gotta talk about one way Let's get on
0: Ace. Okay, all right. Son of God, doing what the sun say. Minimalist with the feng shui. Heart garden, I'm like hardened with the pump fake. So we ain't going back and forth, Yeah, it's one way. Every golden road in heaven is a one way. Serve a big God, I'ma see him one day. Hey. Okay, great, that was one take. But your lyrics didn't give him hope, let alone fade. My relationship with the music, it be love, hate. They be wanting me to use it in the wrong way. I was happy in the Buick with the now i'm discontent with the life that i pray for that just goes to show achievement isn't what we made for selling us the light that we'd be happy if we made more uh, i worry less when i pray more this is holy war better watch out for the claymore hey you could ride a wave here's a wake board and i keep it pee like a skateboard Ay, play your part and he gonna part the scene i was looking back at egypt it was hard to see it was getting hard to see me. that was a uh, that was produced by ace at reach records um Man, yeah, I just gotta send a shout out to Ace. It's like so much of what I create and so much of my career is just based on relationship, which that's the other thing. If you're an independent artist, basically your whole career is relationships. Um but yeah, so one way same thing. Ace like created the I think he had a rough version of the of the beat. He had the sample in there and sent it over and that's like the the inspiration point is the is the music and I just kind of like had this vision of like like a one-way street leading mm-hmm. to eternity with Jesus
1: mm-hmm. and
0: how like once you start with him, like once he captures your heart, like that's it. Like the, the work, like he is going to make sure that you, you reach your destination, you know? So that was like the spark of one way. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like tapped into that one idea and like exploring all the different you know that's you know, every every golden road and every golden road in heaven is a one way is the first line, and so, like I said, I had that vision of like this one way street, and then it was like the connection of street to oh when when have I heard about streets in heaven oh they're streets of gold, you know what I mean and so then it was like, well, what if
1: hmm.
0: if I'm hmm. taking that literally, then they're one way streets. Cause there's no like going back. You know what I mean? Every golden road in heaven is a one way. So every big God, I'm gonna see him one day.
1: So you, I, I, I forget where this is in a song. Um, You started getting into kind of your personal relationship with the music, my relationship with the music. It'd be yeah. uh, love, hate. They wanted me to use it in the wrong way. I was happy in the Buick with the ball fade. Now I'm just yeah. content with the life that I prayed for. That's
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So here you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're trying to break into the industry or you're, you're trying to, you know, get in and you work so hard, so hard, so hard. And All of a sudden going back to your own story, you're now you got record labels throwing stuff at you and you, you kind of arrived with to some extent. And then you're like, ah, this isn't, yeah. like, is this, am I reading in, is that a correct interpretation? That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you want me to use it in the wrong way. I was happy in the Buick with the fate. Now I'm discontent with the life that I prayed for. Yeah. So it was like keeping the driving and the road imagery um they want me to use it in the wrong way like a wrong way sign i was happy in the buick so now we're talking about a car the bald fade. so i had a i had a um that was like my first car you know was a was a was a uh, cutlass supreme which is an oldsmobile but that is like owned by buick so um that that was my first car and i had a bald fade at the time like my hair was very short <laughs> that was like my childhood haircut and so I was thinking back to those days where, like, we were doing this for the love of it. We were making no money at all. You know, we were uh, working at Pizza Hut just to have enough money to buy a terrible, you know, Walmart USB mic to, you know, record these raps that we were doing. But we were so happy. Like, it was, like, uh. amazing, you know. And then... And, you know, we're just praying for the, the ability to, like, you know, make it big one day or whatever. And then, like you said, that happens with the bidding war and, like, all these relationships get involved. And then it's like, oh, now it's not for the love of it anymore. Now it's, like, the bottom line of making money or, or having a platform or um, a claim. And you feel this discontentment set in that you told yourself when you were young, if I could just get to that place, everything will be perfect. And then you get there and that same discontentment that like that all of us experience sets in. And it's like you have to refocus on the on the the bigger story of Jesus and what he's doing or you're going to succumb to that discontentment no matter no matter who you are, no matter how much you have. It's
1: a powerful song. I, the You know, honestly, the beat is so unique. Where did that like wait? did you, It was your buddy that came up with that? Ace,
0: yeah, that Ace. Ace at uh at Reach Records um he's an amazing producer he's powered a lot of the hits that like Christian hip hop artists um like and you know I was talking about how it's all relational the thing is it's not like for me at least you don't just ask a produ- I don't just ask a random producer for a beat these are people that I've spent a lot of time with we've gone out to like, we've gone to dinners together. We've, like, done trips together. And so you start to have this, like, almost telepathic connection. Like, you have this symbiotic relationship where he knew to send me to send me that beat. He wasn't sending that to somebody else. He made that beat, like, Dil will sound good on this. This will be inspiring to him. Mm-hmm. Like, he picked the sample that way. He made the drums that way. Yeah. Um, and so that's why, like, a lot of a lot of my songs like there were I'll, I'll, this this is a little short rabbit hole but um there was a time where a lot of people would ask me to like write hooks for other people or write you know even verses for other artists because they're like oh your music's doing so good like you know you can maybe breathe some new life into this artist or whatever and it never really worked because my stuff is so Like specific and authentic to me Like it doesn't even make sense Coming from somebody else Like I don't really know how to write In a general commercial way Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know Yeah For other people So But yeah man One way is one of my favorites
1: All right, This next one is called uh, What a day Yeah yeah
0: Okay Right Dilly
1: Okay Honey
0: Honey K yeah, 100 grand, 100k, 100 bands, what a day. Underneath the sun ain't nothing new, but it's a sunny day. Tryna spend this money like he coming, he ain't running late.
1: Distro kid, cut the check. Indie tribe, cut the cake. 100 grand, 100k, 100 bands, what a
0: day. Look, chasing out the money, make you run in place. Yeah, I just come my mother, said so your son is straight. Okay, you don't break that bread up, that's a tunnel. Wait to double up on generosity. When I up the fee. know he threw my sin inside the sea. Left it on the tree. as they be looking real depressed, put it on the team. I can't treat the greed like it's a pet and put it on a yeah. lid. I just need some tender love and care. There's a lot of there creeps is. chasing water and in the mud and then he scrubbed me clean. Yeah, TLC, I'm good. I feel like GLC. Laughing all the way up to the bank. I feel like peeling I was busy cuddling up to Calvin.
1: It was uh, yeah, so this one seems to have a lot of, again, personal journey uh, in it. There's one. Okay, I I, I do want to ask about this line. Uh You were busy cuddling up to Calvin. It was killing me think that's when I met the Lord but felt like he wasn't feeling me is this again yeah a lot of people <laughs> that I know the Lecrae's and others and uh I mean Jackie mm-hmm. Hill and other you know had this experience with kind of mainstream reform evangelicalism yeah <laughs> what is, is is this what you're referring to here or is that is this part of your journey yeah I yeah.
0: uh, I'm so glad that uh you brought that up because I think that the kind of the bounce of that song and how it feels like People don't necessarily notice, like, the depth of the lyrics in this song. But, yeah, I I was busy cuddling up to Calvin. It was killing me. I think that's when I met the Lord, but felt like he wasn't feeling me. So Keep going, though. The
1: next next two lines are great. Uh, Made it hard uh, to love the poor and widows. uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah, made it hard to love the poor and widows, let alone the Lord. I was focused on the court and if he had acquitted me. Yeah, so uh you know when i told you that i i heard that sermon when i was 17, i was very much um like in a in a you know calvinist Mm -hmm. um culture so that's i do think that that's when i when i met the lord like i i you know i learned so much from those from that era of my life and those pastors i do think that's when i when i started to really take the faith seriously however it What happened for me is I was able to see God as a righteous and wrathful judge, um, which is not incorrect, you know, but it was so hard to see him as a loving father. Like I could not see him at all as a loving father. So it just made me afraid of him. And, you know, if you have one, if you have just some of God's attributes in your heart and not all of them, then man, Like you you don't have, you don't really have the picture of our God. And so, yeah, so that's, you know, I was busy cuddling up to Calvin. It was killing me. I think that's when I met the Lord, but felt like he wasn't feeling me. I I felt like he didn't love me. I felt like I needed to like straighten up and fly right and take him seriously, but um, I could not feel his like mercy and grace. And of course, if you're always worried about your like legal position before a righteous and wrathful judge, then Uh, love is not going to overflow into service because you don't feel loved. Like the only way for it to overflow into joyful, loving service of, you know, the poor and the widows or or whoever you're serving, the orphans, whoever, the only way it's actually going to overflow from a joyful place is if you believe that you are loved and you are Mm -hmm. secure in the father's hands. Otherwise that service is just going to be, um, uh, legalism. You're just going to be trying to kind of balance balance the scales and get in God's favor by helping other people. You know, so yeah, that's a very deep lyric in that song. <laughs> it
1: jumped out at me, man. I yeah, I was focused on the court, and if he had acquitted me, going back to the the reformed emphasis on justification, justification, justification. Am I right before this angry and wrathful God? And it's like that's one side of you know. Like I don't, I don't want to dismiss the importance of that, but when that becomes the center of your whole theological orbit yeah i think you miss out on other important metaphors um, all right this next one i got to admit i just love the beat of this song <laughs> when i'm at the gym and it's leg day and i just need to get ramped up i put on uh, i put on lighter fluid child say lies
0: Fire to him. Came out my mama and I was covered in light of fluid. Think I could walk on water since I saw Messiah do it. Thank God I walked on water. It must be the Whoa. line of Judah. Whoa. I think you wash your hands if you really saw pilot do it. On. I know depression feel like a liar when fighting through it. I might've blew my mind if I didn't title what I was doing. I saw the fire call. column in the sky and I'm flying it's to gone. it. Everybody think they hot to the fire crew. you not a Grimly cause you could order a higher gun. If you offended and grab a sword, then you'll die from one.
1: Don't get it twisted; you're just a wick to the wicked.
0: everyone think they had until
1: yeah. Tell us about the song. I don't. I don't even have any lyrics listed out here. I just love, love. Yeah, the song just hits. So.
0: Lighter fluid is definitely it's. It's a newer one, and it's definitely one of my favorites. Lighter fluid is. It's from the perspective of somebody who has experienced like multiple disadvantages. Um, in life, but still perseveres through them, holding on to the hope of God being with them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so everyone thinks they hot until they, until you put the fire to them. Came out my mama and I was covered in lighter fluid. So it's like in a world where we all have to experience different fire. Mm-hmm. There are some mm-hmm. of us who who had even more of a disadvantage. That's like that's like being born with lighter fluid instead of, you know, uh like being covered in lighter fluid coming out. Um so yeah, everyone think they're hot until you put the fire to them, until you test them. Came out my mama and I was covered in lighter fluid. Think I could walk on water since I saw Messiah do it. Thank God I walked on water. It must be the line of Judah. So it's like somebody who's born with that disadvantage, like covered in lighter fluid, into the flame. And they're saying, but I I think I can walk on water since I saw Messiah do it. And it's like kind of calling to mind that um, picture of Peter seeing Jesus and like, I want to do that. I think I can do that. You know, thank God I walked on water. It must be the line of Judah. That one's kind of self-explanatory.
1: I love the emphasis on God's grace. And sovereignty there in a sense like that to me, that's, that would be a healthy Calvinism. You know, (laughs) I walked on, like Christ is the reason why I'm able to walk on. I am walk on water, but I mean, I I am through him, right? Like he's the one doing it. I'm not doing it. All right. The last one. uh, I think this might be your most listened to on Spotify. Willie, is Willie the most popular song you have right now on Spotify? So
0: popular and most listened to are different things on Spotify, which is interesting. But um, Willie is my most listened to song ever. Okay my current most popular is King Jesus with KB. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Willie has the most raw streams of any song that I've that I've put out. God made me fresh. Okay. 931615. Six, five. Five. Yeah. Look, Dilly, from the bottom of the map. I ain't gotta have a strap. I still get on with the rap. Hayden Dilly, man, you gotta be an idiot. In fact, took the monkey off, then I put the city on my back. Country boy, but I hang around city slickers. This is swell. Sh- well, I got it at the kitty litter. If my brother need a dollar, he gon' get a tenner Yeshua and Nazareth was not a penny pincher. How you got it out the mud, it never been muddy. Wise man, no, he don't really know nothing. I got a demon saying post on. This is everyday struggle with yeah. joke. Buddy. I said peace to the industry. I do it alone. I'm a beast. You were such a sweet. You don't want the small. You no. a tweet. I mean I tea. Paris and the call. I know arrogance
1: can feel like heroin inside a dumb It's imperative to get in. When did this song come out? This has been out for is this kind this of the sound you really like I mean, I don't know. Did it give you a big bump in, in... I would I would say so. Okay. It was uh it was 20
0: 2020 I believe. Um, okay. So I I definitely had like a fan base before that. I've been full time since 2017. You know, we support ourselves off of music and we already were, but that definitely introduced me to a much bigger fan base and put me kind of in a different position. Um, you know, Andy's fan base is just so big and he was coming off of that, uh, off of Better Late Than Never tour with Lecrae, which I also was on. So the timing of it, um, especially in the pandemic, where people really wanted like well-produced content and hopeful content, it just kind of God's providence in it was a, was amazing. But yeah, that put me on like a whole different level. I would
1: say. So, can you unpack it mm-hmm. for us? What's uh, what's the song all about? Hey, I, the- Dilly, man, you gotta be
0: an idiot. In fact, to the monkey off, then I put the city on my back. Country boy, but I hang around. It's really just a, a narrative um, story. The, I, I'm going to give you an exclusive right here. I really wrote that song to be a collaboration with uh toby wigway um at the time because i had met him on uh better late than never tour but he left my dm on scene and so (laughs) i was like (laughs) all right well i guess i'll just finish this song myself no shout out toby he like blew up after that but um and then i showed it to Andy and I was just showing it to him because you know we we already had a relationship we were friends um and he was like "Yo, I think we could you know do something to this and so that song was really just um I was focused on introducing myself in narrative form to my fan base because it had been a while since I did an album um in 2020 so it's really a lot of the lyrics are just about like who I am, where I came from, you know. I really wanted to champion. This is interesting. I wanted to. I think that um, black men, especially in rap music um, and media that kind of is influenced by rap music, were presented one way. We're, were presented like inner city, um, you know, and then all the all the ugly tropes, you know, violent and, and drug dealers and gangbangers, and, gang bangers and um, but even even if it's positive even if it's a positive portrayal, it's still inner city where, you know, I grew up in a rural area of Tennessee and there are so many black people there. Like there's so many black people in rural areas. Um, Mm. there's black people involved in agriculture and, and that grow up in these communities, uh, you know, have country accents, the whole nine, you know, um, ride horses, like but they're still, they're separate. It's like, they don't have a home. It's like, we don't have a home. Cause it's like, it's separate from inner city, urban culture. And it's still separate from like what people tend to think of in rural areas, which is like conservative, mm, um,
1: kind of redneck or, you know.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Conservative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's actually a better word. Like, but there's this whole other culture and I actually coined a term from it, which is like sub-rural, sub-rural street culture, because you hear of suburban, right? Mm-hmm. Suburban, mm-hmm. suburban. But this is, like, well, it's not the suburbs, even. It's, like, it's, it's not as rural as you could get, but it's small-town America, and so, like, sub-rural, and then street culture, because even in those cultures, like, we still are influenced by hip-hop culture. So it's, like, somebody, you know, who, like, a Black person who grows up in these areas, like, they... Like, we still wear clothes a certain way. We still wear jewelry a certain way. We might have the grills in, whatever. Um, but it's notably different than inner city. And it's notably different than, like, redneck culture, like what she said. And so I really wanted to champion that. So that's, like, the, hmm. you know, Lil Dilly from the bottom of the map. I ain't got to have the strap. I still get him with the wrap. Um, country boy, but I hang around city slickers. Like, all of that. I I really wanted to... Start to build a home for people like that in music. That's what my song sticks and Fieldhouse Freestyle. Yeah, all of those songs are trying to represent what I feel like is an underrepresented culture in media.
1: I'm just curious. Well, I guess you kind of touched on it, but like, what would be the in in that sub rural culture? The music of choice is it still hip hop? Is it a it's a blend? A blend? Okay, it's a blend.
0: Huh. Yeah. So uh, is it country? You know, we they were... listen to country
1: music more than is there?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it's like, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, I wish somebody would do like a documentary on it. It's fascinating because it's like, it's still, we listen to hip hop, but we listen to country music. Hmm. Um, and then we would listen to some of these like underground artists who were like kind of in between. Hmm. And now there's like, now there's an industry component where there are some artists, you know, I guess the the famous one is like Old Town Road, right? Like it was like, oh, is this country, is this hip hop, right? What I'm saying hmm. is, since I was a kid, we had been making music like that or hearing local artists make music that sounded like a less polished version of Old Town Road. So for everybody who felt like, oh, this is a new thing, the thing is Lil Nas, now he's gone like a completely different way, but Lil Nas X is exactly who I'm talking about. Oh, His really? actual, he he would fit into like the culture that I'm talking about when he was growing up, not necessarily now. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Brown, the same way. He's from a small town in Tappahannock, Virginia. Now you would think he was from L.A. And that's kind of what I'm saying is like there hasn't been somebody who has just championed that because once you get into the industry, then they push you into these other tropes. What would it look like if Chris Brown was proud and stayed that way? You know what I mean? T-Pain is like that. Uh, There is a rapper named David Banner from Mississippi who was like that. Like, but it's, uh, soldier Boy is from Mississippi. So it's like all of these, but now you would think they were from Atlanta or something like that. Cause you get pushed into, okay, are you a, are you an Atlanta rapper? Are you a New York rapper? Are you an LA rapper? Not, are you a Tappahannock, Virginia? Mm. You know, not, are you a Tupelo, Mississippi? <laughs> you know, not, are you a, 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 a Shelbyville, Tennessee rapper?
1: Mm. And
0: so I was trying to make a home. Like there was this one group called, uh, Nappy Roots from, bowling green kentucky uh who in the early 2000s they had a pretty big run and they they're like the only group that i feel like really epitomized what i was talking about and stuck to it but the label dropped them after their second album and and that was kind of it so like you almost have to be
1: independent you almost have to be independent right to to be able to fit the genre that you feel most at home with, but might not have the kind of fan base or expectations that people. That's right. Is that, I mean, is that, I mean, like Southern rock blues, and there's some, sometimes when you blend those two, I feel like that's, that has a similar feel to that sub rule. That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would say like the, the, you know, the kids that grew up at the time that I grew up, we would be like musical and maybe even biological descendants of, yeah. Like when, You know, people like B.B. King and and, and Chuck Berry and Muddy Waters even were making like electric blues. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they, they would just they would like Ray Charles didn't care. He would do every type of genre. He didn't feel like he was in any box. Ray Charles would do a country album. He'd do a blues album. He'd do a rock and roll album. He'd do a pop album. And that's that I feel like got lost in kind of in in the age of polarizing media instead of like championing Stevie Wonder and and um, you know these people who fit into all these different cultures now it's like no you're black okay you're a gangster rapper like period like (laughs) that's what you are you know (laughs) instead of a multi-hyphenate and so it's like I I love kind of championing the alternative to that, which is why I was drawn to people like Chance the Rapper and Childish Gambino, um, because they're kind of a call back to that, you know, to where it's like, no, I don't have to fit into one box. I can do a live musical one day and I can do a rap album the next day and I can collab with Coldplay the next day. Like,
1: Doesn't the, I mean, with the internet in the last 10 years or so, doesn't that open up a lot of genre collaboration and crossover?
0: Yes. The internet, um, And more recently, you know, TikTok and the responses to TikTok, so Instagram Reels and stuff like that. I think it's the best time ever to be an independent artist because you can skip every single gatekeeper that there's ever been on TikTok um, or on Instagram Reels. So there are people who I've known and worked with since 2015 who were not really able to get, you know the breaks that I was able to get or build the relationships with people that were that would platform them in the way that I was, that have um, leveraged TikTok into finally having these like viable careers um, because what they do is so impressive and TikTok is a performative social media. So if you can, again, high quality, consistency over a long period of time. That's what my friends had. And that's why it's finally working. Because if they would have gave up before TikTok blew up in the pandemic, then they would have had high quality and consistency, but they didn't persevere. And so nothing happened. But since they persevered into this newer era where you can go direct to the fans with TikTok, now they have these viable careers, you know?
1: Yeah. That's what a time to be alive, man. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. All right. I, I'm, I've taken you over an hour, man, but I, I've got to advertise uh, Smoke Fest 23. Tell us about that. Uh, August 18th and 19th in Nashville.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, this is what I'm most proud of right now. I'm most passionate about, which is our independent, owned, and operated festival in Nashville. Um, like you said, August 18th and 19th at Rocket Town. There is no organization, label, corporation involved in this at all. This is all independent. Artists, like I said, owned and operated our headliners this year are Lecrae, King's Kaleidoscope and Indie Tribe, the group that I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have all up and down the the lineup. We have amazing talent. We have Hovey yeah. and the New Respects yeah. and um, John Keith and all all different types of people. I'm excited about it because we're not just trying to build a concert, but we're actually trying to build festival culture within the Christian Space, which I don't think has been done very well, especially for non-CCM, non-industry artists, the artists that we've been talking about. This is the first this is the first festival that is really built for and by those independent artists who are pushing the envelope sonically um, with the message, with the aesthetics and. Um, And we want to platform them and empower them. So we also have an educational wing of the festival called Indie Institute, which um, has industry professionals come and do panels and equip independent artists. And that's free. We're we're making that free um, for for artists. Um, We have a block party aspect, which is outside, um, which is also free to the public and it focuses on the Nashville community. So all of the vendors, from the d j to the food, everything is going to be local vendors um it's not you know people that are just in the Christian hip hop space that were that we're just kind of like embedding into Nashville. We want yeah. we want Nashville vendors to have a spot there, and then we have two days of yeah um of music that we put on, so
1: you got my buddy yeah. uh Jay Newman is he he might be he said, he yeah, was, that's right is he yeah. dude yeah. his barbecues. Is- the best man it's amazing he, i'm, ex- I'm so, excited about that yeah. I, I host a conference here in boise called exiles in babylon and he drives mm-hmm. a smoker out every year to smoke meat for our conference wow Ooh. okay yeah he's good and man. you say it's a it's a1 right it's a1 man no yeah, th- this okay. dude is uh his whiskey smo- whiskey soaked brisket he he could charge whatever he wants it's unbelievable and all his stuff is so good because he 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 barbecue for him is an art and almost a religion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you yeah. you can't go wrong with, with, with him. He's it's a the, pit master for real. A, he is a pit. I mean, he's a, he's the head or a pit master for one of the highly rated joints in East Nashville. Um, but he's been studying barbecue for like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's good yeah. I, I might come out dude i my um my my son is a huge fan me uh my wife yeah we're, we're gonna try to try to make out so um yeah maybe we can meet up that'd be amazing yeah. how many people do you think will be there is it like a few hundred few thousand or
0: we are shooting for 1200 people well that's actually not true we're shooting for 1500 people we're shooting for 1200 people 200- tickets, but we have to leave room for all the artists and all their sure. people that are coming out, so okay, um yeah, mm-hmm. Awesome,
1: man. Well, dude, thanks so much for uh, being on Theology realm man. This is a joy to have you on and get to know you a little
0: bit. Man, thank you so much. It's been great. I want to hold you close I'll never let you go Come let me in your
1: arms I want to hold you close I want to hold you close I'll never let
0: you go Come Come let me. me